Last week, we talked about preparing your, to steward your expansion. We talked about stewardship and the power of stewardship and the Bible, the, the, the sense of stewardship is all over the Bible that everything you and I have is on loan from God, that everything you and I have belongs to him. So if, if everything belongs to him, we own nothing. And it's a beautiful place of surrender to live your life. It's a beautiful place of maturity to posture yourself in, to move forward in greater things that God has for you as. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof that he wants us to steward. And this, the, the, de, another definition for stewardship is protecting and expanding the assets of another. That we talked about last week, uh, ex, uh, protecting and expanding the assets of the time that God has given you. That we are to honor God with our time. That we're to worship God with our time. We talked about our, our, our talents. That we're not to despise the gifts of God on your life. That, that the beauty of the gifts of God, they change. You know, I didn't want to be a preacher when I first started worship leading, but they change from season to season and, and you can adapt and grow. And, and some of you, maybe in the third or fourth quarter of life, you may be stepping into a new sense of the gift and don't despise that gift because if God has chosen you, he's qualified you. If God has chosen you, he's anointed you. But there's a sense of stewardship of our treasure. And this is a sensitive topic uh, across uh, church spectrums. Uh, the topic of the treasure means money. How do we steward our money in a godly, biblical, righteous fashion? How do we move into a place of, of, of moving beyond what different denominations think? There's so many opinions about money in Christendom. Uh, moving beyond so many books that have been written or is Dave Ramsey, should I listen to him or should I listen to Dr. Phil? Or Man, I, I wanna go to Jesus today and I wanna see what Jesus says about money and, and, the, and the stewardship of what God wants to do in our lives. Do you realize that we can talk about faith and we love talking about faith in this house. And there's 500 plus scriptures about talking about faith. And we can talk about prayer. I mean, prayer is uh, very powerful. That's, it's, it's, it's our foundation as a church. We just were prophesied over by pa Pastor Mike Pohemus that we're a house of prayer to the nations. And that's incredible. There's over 500 scriptures that talk about prayer. But why did Jesus put over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible to talk about money and possessions? Why would he do it in such a way, a warning in such a way to say, beware that there's a sense of urgency where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Uh, Matthew 6, 21 in the Passion Translation says this, and says you can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. God has something in store for us, but we have to learn how to steward this possession this treasure. It's like this. If I'm, if I'm an incredible Lamborghini, I'm just in, this, in the shell of the Lamborghini. It smells new. It's incredible. I can't wait to turn this car on. And I turn the key on and the mechanic comes around the corner and says, sorry, I haven't put the engine inside the car yet. You're going to have to wait. It's like that with people trying to steward treasure without looking at the heart, without looking at the issues of the heart without looking at the, maybe what my experiences and the different ideologies that have built me to the where I am now and my belief system on what I believe when it comes to money. This place that God wants us to realize that 134 scriptures talk about guarding your heart. The sense of Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. Above getting biceps in the gym. Above buying the new purse on the market. Above... Maybe not above buying a new guitar, but above. <laughs> I was just totally convicted in that moment. I was like, oh, Jesus. But think about it. Why do so many people win the lottery, millions of dollars, but then in a year or two, they're bankrupt? Because there's a leak. 
You can have treasure, but if you don't steward the hearts, you don't have the character and the principles to manage what has been given to you and to bring forth better fruits and breakthrough and influence in your life. And I was asking God, how do I approach this? I want to, God, I, I really feel a sense of a, a different way of approaching this today. And, and, you know, rather than the last seven years. And, and he pointed me to Ephesians 1.17. And it says this. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. How can having a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better come into a play of our relationship with money? And this is, this is where he says, he says, Aaron, revelation reveals, but faith will steward. Revelation reveals, but faith will ultimately steward. And we've been talking about supernatural expansion. And so we've been talking about not living from earth to heaven, but not living from a place of inferiority, but a place that Jesus, the Lamb of God, has purchased for you and I to live. We talked about John 3, when Jesus was, it sounded prophetic, but he was giving us an introduction, an invitation into a lifestyle when he said, no one has ascended or descended into heaven, but the Son of God. Now he was saying this, in the flesh with the disciples, inviting us into this intimacy, inviting us into this place of an ascended perspective and a heaven to earth perspective. And Paul found language to redeclare it when he says, every believer is now seated at the right hand of God. So if we're going to steward our heart, we got to listen to the words of Jesus and look at the, the sense that when we're seated at the right hand of, of God, that means, that, that means I'm, I'm a royal priesthood. That means no matter if I've experienced poverty growing up, I'm about to divorce poverty and move into a place of, of royal priesthoodness. I'm a place of significance. I'm a place of, man, the Bible says that the right hand of God, the right hand of God means strength and authority and blessing that have been placed at the highest place. You guys got to get this in your spirit. First Peter 3.22, uh, Peter says, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers have been subjected to him. So God has, like, Aaron, come here. I want you to sit right next to me. Man, this, oh, come on, this is amazing. And I'm gazing to the left. I'm gazing to the right. And every angelic being, every seraphim, everything in the vastness of the universe is subjected to God. And Jesus, even though I didn't deserve it, even though that you didn't deserve it, has seated me right next to him. Has seated me in this place. And the Spirit of God is now inside of testifying, Aaron, you are an heir of God. You are a joint heir with Christ. Christ could have taken all of the glory. Yes, his name is above every other name, but he decided to share in his inheritance with you and I. He decided to share in his abundance, in his excessiveness, in the, in, the, in the glory of heaven. The Bible says that Jesus was resurrected and that we were resurrected with him. We're now in this place where we can meditate, we can steward the things of, of, our, of our, the treasures beginning with our heart in this place that God's saying, I want to invite you to see money how I see money. I want you to see your treasure like I see treasure. I want, you, I want there to be no contradiction between the fact that, that you have a certain amount in your bank account, but the fact that the, there's a biblical reality that can come your way when the, the heavens are open and I pour out a blessing upon your life. In this place where he's enabling us to begin to explore. Think about this. 
If we biblically meditate on these principles and realize where we are identified now in Christ, that we have divorced, not physically my wife, but poverty in Jesus' name. She put a ring on it and this ring ain't coming off in Jesus' name. But if I biblically meditate, I, I, I think upon the truth of God, it's like this, there's a blank canvas that God is saying, I'm so ready to paint my impressions, paint my promises upon all of, of your, believing, uh, your believing, your belief system, all that, that when you look at money, when you hold money, when the enemy comes at you with fear, when, when it, in regards to money, I wanna, I wanna change the very outcome so that I can pour out more in your life. Uh, it's like this. It's like if Jesus all of a sudden says, hey, I, I love going in ATVs, you know, so he's like, here's an ATV. Jump in the back seat with me. So he, I, I get in the seat with him. All of a sudden he turns on the ATV. We're cruising up to the top of this hill and at the top of this hill, he just shows me to the left to the right, this, this acreage. Man, he's like, man, this acreage is beautiful. Do you see it? It's, oh, this is incredible. And I'm like, this is glorious. It's majestic. And Jesus is like, man, all of this is yours. Do you want it? Of course, Jesus, I want it. And he's like, here's the keys. And most Christians sit in the front driver's seat and just gawk and just look, but never explore. Never activate the principles and the commands that Jesus has asked of us to put into play because the revelation wants to reveal, but faith wants to steward. Faith wants to touch. Faith wants to apprehend. Faith wants to take. Faith wants to, to re reap that co-heir inheritance that God has given you and I. Can we go deeper? Is that, oh, is that okay? Can we, is that okay? Colossians 2.9. If we can get that up on the screen. Colossians 2.9 says this, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is talking about Jesus. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him. So he's talking about you. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So Jesus is now in bodily form in all the fullness. What does that mean? Bible says he fills all in all. So that means every cell of every man, animal, everything on this creation, on this earth is held together by the presence of Jesus. You remove the presence of Jesus, this thing explodes. He fills all in all, the Bible says. He fills, so we can get in a rocket today and we could travel as far as we possibly wanted to, but we can never exhaust the full measure of how far his presence reaches because he fills all in all. The smallest of atoms are kept together by the presence of Jesus. Think about this, let this sink deep. He dwells in fullness, in bodily form. Ephesians 1.21 says this about Jesus, that he was raised far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So that it doesn't matter whether it's the emotional realm, spiritual realm, physical realm, there is nothing that can contest Jesus. He has been raised above an all, like a bald eagle that raises above the storm. There is nothing that can come against him. There's nothing that he is not Lord over. Verse 22 says this of Ephesians 1, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his now his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Think about that. So the fullness of Jesus now fills the church. The fullness of Jesus now fills you and I. 
So that means you and I now no longer have an excuse to reduce the gospel to a manageable, controllable lifestyle. We cannot take what is superior and now reduce it to what's inferior. We now live in a place of operation that we are now activated by the word of God and Jesus is saying, I want you to come up higher, higher. I want you, stop it, stop it. Think about it. He's called us into a, in a place of putting everything under our feet. You and I have to learn to steward our treasure because no eye has seen, no ear has heard what he wants to do in and through you. If you would be willing to steward the treasure of God, he's put it all under your feet. It's this place of rulership that he's called his sons and daughters. This place that I, that in Ephesians 3.19 says, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That you, all of us may be filled with the fullness of the measure of God. That's why we talk about being baptized in the spirit of God. Because how dare we forfeit you from experiencing the fullness of the measure of God for your life? Because it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit being filled in the fullness of his measure that we operate just as Jesus operated. And the enemy is going to work hard because he wants you to be ignorant of the word of God. He wants you to, to oh, it's okay, I can just miss it today. It's okay, yeah, I haven't read for the last two weeks, but I'm going to church on Sunday. Because if we can get us ignorant, then we lose sight of the biblical meditation of actually receiving the revelation to reveal what faith now wants to steward. Colossians 3.1 says this, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds. So first you set your heart, not just your intellect. First, you set your heart. He's talking about stewardship of the heart. You set your heart on things above, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with God. So we died. We're now, when we receive Jesus, man, we, we, we deny the flesh. We have now put our old nature to death and we are now raised with Christ. The old me is not the old me anymore. I'm now stepping into a new creation. I'm now identified as the right, as seated at the right hand of God. Do I deserve it? No, but because of the blood of Jesus, I'm seated here. I'm now in this place where in this realm of the presence of Christ, I'm now sitting at the right hand of God. This is my new home. I live and I operate from this realm. I live and I operate from this realm and every other Thing is a field trip in comparison to where I live. In this place where we steward our hearts from the throne room, we steward our hearts from the, our, our identity in Christ, we steward our heart from what God has given us. You cannot and will never truly manage the treasure, the money that God gives you if you don't come back to the place. I need to steward my heart from the throne room from the place of identity that I am now royal priesthood, that I have a signet ring on my, on my finger, I have a crown of glory on my head, I have a robe, robe of righteousness on my back, and that I am now a son, a daughter of God, able to operate in all that God has designed for me to operate. The Bible says, set your mind on things above. Think about this, Galatians says this. We, we hear the scripture, uh, if you, 
so you will reap, right? We hear that scripture. But if we re rewind a little bit, it says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. God is not mocked. So in other words, it is mockery to question, I can obey God and not have a reward. It's this place where now I'm, I'm seated at the right hand of God. It's a lifestyle. It's an invitation to the throne room. It's an invitation to, to dwell, live, and abide and activate my life from heaven to earth. Even the Lord's Prayer, we talked about this. But man, as it is in heaven, there is no lack in heaven. And if there's no lack in heaven, I will pray and I will stand on the promise of God until I see God move on my behalf. And the, the book of Revelation talks about that the Lamb of God is seated at the right hand of God. The Lamb of God is seated on the throne. And they could have said the righteous king is seated on the throne. They could have said, you know, the, the line of the tribe of Judah is seated on the throne. But it was the Lamb of God was the centerpiece. The Lamb of God. Why? Because he wanted this redeemed thought to be the pebble that's thrown into the pond to create a ripple effect, to diffuse any anything that any, any, any lie the enemy has come against us to break down the stewardship of treasure. That's why Jesus gave us 2000 script plus scriptures because he wanted us to understand the power and the enemy knows when he can unlock generosity in a believer's hearts, anything is possible. When he can pull us out of, out of the brokenness of poverty. I was there. I lived in trailer homes. I grew up in trailer homes. I grew up praying for an Xbox, but got, you know, a little football. I grew up in poverty thinking, and God had to pull me out of there and say, son, I've seated you at the right hand of my father. You're right here, and this is where you're to abide and dwell and live. Mark 8, the disciples, it, there's two times the disciples, are, they've already seen the miraculous. And it's crazy that some of us, like I've said before, it's like we see the miraculous. But because we're not stewarding the hearts, we walk away from God, even though we say blind eyes open. Yeah. And in Mark 8, they've seen the, the multiplication of food twice. They've seen that thousands of people being healed. They were waiters passing out loaves of bread and fish. They were waiters. And then yet they still, in Mark 8, Jesus, we still don't have enough food. Because once you get exposed to a kingdom with no lack, everything changes. All of a sudden, your complaining changes. Your prayer life changes. How you approach God changes. How you look at your bills changes. You start to submit under the kingdom. You submit under the order of the Lamb of God, and he throws in those pebbles, of, uh, and that just creates a ripple effect all across your believing and everything. And the enemy wants to come in, and he wants to sweep in and begin to diffuse and dismantle. Bring in this place and like, think about it. Think about it. He, he, he wants to come in and, and steal the very thing that is going to bring promotion to your life. Because if we have a motive of understanding of where we sit at the right hand of God, if we understand that the revelation, revelation ultimately wants to reveal the nature of God. And if we understand the nature of God, we understand that, that I've seen, the more I understand the nature of God, the more it adjusts my lifestyle. It's not me striving, it's not me trying, it's me surrendering to the word so I can see God for who he is. I can see him in all of his goodness. 
I can see God. His nature begins to shift things. Psalm 34, 3, 4 says this, for the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice and says the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. All of a sudden, Revelation adjusts me from seeing that he's not a legalistic totalitarian. He's, he's not a cop in the sky. He's a good, good father. And that the word full means uh, having no empty space. So that means there's nothing on this earth, no empty space that has not already been touched by the goodness of God. So we, we, we come with this perspective, but the enemy wants to slur in and like, oh, start to steal. Start to come to corrupt and diffuse and, what, and start to shift and distort the word into what I call money myths. And there's money myths out there. You know, does, I don't know what background of church you came from or what family uh, scenario came from or your experiences, rich, poor, mid-class, but the enemy wants to come in and he wants to distort things. Have you ever heard the comment, money is the root of all evil? You heard that? Money is the root of all evil. It's like, that church is talking about money again. I can't believe that's a prosperity gospel church. They're talking about money all the time. Every single week they take up an offering. That voice just came out of the middle of nowhere. I have no clue. Guys, help me out. Come on, Rich, pray for me, bro. Like, help. I don't know where that came from. It's like, you're done. But you're done. First Timothy 6.10 says this, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Isn't it amazing that the enemy will try to distort one thing, he to it, a to the, the enemy will just do us something because enemy wants you to despise money. If not despise money, he wants you to make a lot of money and he wants you to fall in love with money and use God. So many Christians love money, but they begin to, they, 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 they begin to use God. But, the, but that's why Jesus put these commandments in place to squeeze out. When he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And they said, love your neighbor as yourself because I want to squeeze out any temptation, any subduction, seduction uh, to the fact that, the, that you're going to fall in love with money. Because he understands that our, uh, the, 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 the sense that our flesh is, is easily seduced. When we see what money can do for us. When we see the power of money, Roger Starr says this. Roger Starr says, money is the most egalitarian force on planet earth in society. It confers power to whoever holds it. And here at City Point, we've, we're unapologetic about teaching on money because if Jesus taught about it, we're gonna teach about it. And the, the, the antidote to falling in love with money is generosity. The antidote with falling in love with money is giving. And Jesus knew that. And that's why so many people want to skip over. But if you're seated at the right hand of God, you look at every single passage as precious, every single scripture as holy. This is the spoken and written word of God. And my life must conform. My life must surrender to what God is asking. Have you ever heard the, the comment, we should store up treasures in heaven, not in earth? We're going to store up treasures in heaven. It's going to be all eternal. You know, when in Mark 10, 21, Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and he said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything. Go and sell it all. There's something you lack and you need to discover that. People take that seriously. It's like you see the, uh, uh, this, this comment on, on, a, on a really dodgy car. Dodgy in, uh, in Australia is like really bad, you know, and this dodgy car and you see this bumper sticker that says, my treasure's in heaven. 
I love Jesus with my treasures in heaven. In Acts 10, think about this. Cornelius was a non-Jewish centurion. He was generous with, with his finance and he was generous with prayer. And Peter gets a vision and he says this to Cornelius. He says, your prayers and your giving have come up before God as a memorial. God wants to bless you, not just with treasures in heaven, but treasures to use here on earth to advance his purposes. And the enemy wants to distort that. The enemy wants to come in and say, no, but God wants to say, I want you to live life reflecting heaven's reality here on earth. Have you heard the thought, tithing is Old Testament? You ever heard that? Where the enemy comes and tries to store? We're under the law. We don't need to tithe anymore. Jesus came to redeem us and that's under the law now. I've heard, I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, you know, tithing, nope, I, I take my 10% or whatever I seem fit and I just uh, give it away as I, seem, as I seem fit. But what we lack there is submission. What we lack there is true surrender. And the Bible's trying to teach us something in this place. Abraham was tithing, yes, Old Testament. But the law didn't come until Moses. Isaac tithed, Jacob tithed. Even back in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve, the garden to tend and keep. And all of these are yours except that one, that one tree, that's mine. Don't touch it. You can't eat of it. I want you to honor me with that. I want you to tend to the branches. I want you to take care of it. It's, it's, it's in your possession. It's in the garden of Eden. But in this place, I want you to honor me. So let me ask you this question. Why did he put the tree in the garden? If, G, if God is so smart, why would he put the tree in the garden? In Genesis 1, God said to Adam, he said, exercise dominion and subdue. God gave Adam the authority. It's his to give. God gave him the authority, but now Adam had to manage what was given to him. And what happened when he didn't do it, he mismanaged, he lost all authority. Like the centurion, when he said, I'm under authority, just speak and my son's gonna be healed. There's a sense of God put the tree in the garden so that Adam could exercise submission. Jesus ratifies the tithe so that you and I can continue to exercise submission. Submission in a place that will free our hearts, liberate our hearts. It's the antidote from falling in love with money to say, God, I'm surrendering this. I don't need control of this. I'm giving it to you and I'm trusting in you, not in man, but in you, that that seed will bring forth the influence that you have desired it to bring. Have you heard of the thought, the distortion of poverty pleases God? Blessed are the poor for they shall receive the kingdom. There's so many Christians that think this way. <coughs> no, this is, this is the life that God's given me. This is all that I, I'm ever gonna achieve. Blessed are the poor, for they shall receive the kingdom. But then we actually go to the scripture, you actually look at the nature of God, that he actually is good. That if you look at the disciples, <coughs> John started following Jesus at the age of 15. He was employed, he was making money. They, the boys were all, him and Peter was fishing, they're all making money. But most translations say, blessed are the poor in spirit. See how that just that one little twist can move an entire generation to play. Uh, no, no, poverty pleases God. Poverty does not please God. Poverty is not of God. He, he said the poor will always be amongst us. But you, show me one scripture of a miracle that does not materialize in overflow. Show me one scripture that does not materialize in blessing. 
more than enough. He doesn't just touch a leper and his hand is healed. He touches the leper and his entire body from head to toe is completely restored. It's because God cannot touch anything without being completely restored. And we've been called to God, I need this revelation. Reveal to me your nature, reveal to me your heart in this hour so I can steward my heart and allow faith to steward that which you've given me. Can we put our hands towards heaven? Oh Lord, you know the treasures in our hearts. You know, Lord, what you, you've, the blessings you've bestowed, the, Lord, the promotions, you know the, the advancement, the, Lord, the, the sense of everything in, in, in each of our lives. And Lord, I just pray, God, that Holy Spirit, you would begin to give them a revelation. If I could have Dave out, that'd be awesome. A revelation, God. A revelation of, 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 our king, of our sonship, a revelation of now we are now identified as royal priests, that there is no lack. Oh God, the, the streets of heaven are paved with gold, Father. The pearly gates, Lord, we just, Lord, there's no lack in heaven. It's, you, you have an unlimited reach. You're excessive, you're extravagant, you're lavish. You're beautiful, you're majestic. Lord, just begin to, Lord, help us to divorce any, any mindset of poverty right now. Lord, just let just remove it and get rid of it and, and move into a season, God, that you're, you're abundant and you're more than enough. And God is saying to some of you right now, you are capable and you are able because God makes you able. And we're moving into a season that God is enabling and anointing of double, of double portion. And what does that mean? Dual incomes creative ideas, entrepreneurial ideas that God is going to breathe upon, He's going to touch upon, that He's going to use in such a mighty way that He's going to usher in and move forth that even though recession is screaming at us, even though inflation keeps rising, God is going to take His creativity and He's going to push against the opposition and He's going to laugh in the face of adversity. You will not lack during this season. You will, be, you will experience abundance. You will experience overflow. You will experience more than enough. You do not have to fret. You do not have to worry. Do not let fear come against the, 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 the God of love because love casts out all fear. You do not have to fear in this hour. Jesus has destined you, designed you, and destined you to thrive for such a time as this. Joseph thrived in the seven years of famine. Why? Because God was on his side. Why? Because God's strategy, his blueprint was implemented. In order to steward your treasure, you have to implement the strategy and the blueprint of God. Say, God, I want to steward everything that you put past me. I mean, tithing is just the beginning. And I really believe God is speaking to people in this house. There are, there are tremendous levels. I'm not talking about the next level. I'm talking about tremendous, like quadrupling of levels of promotion that God wants to bestow. But it's going to be unlocked with generosity. Lord, breathe upon this house. Breathe upon this church, this community. Put faith in their hearts. Enable them to anoint them, God, to step into these days. Lord, impassioned to, Lord, expand, to stretch, to see greater, to, to move into across the Jordan and, and not just touch on the soil of the promised land, but to begin to jump in the ATV and begin to explore every bit 
of the territory in front of us. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this house. But it starts in the heart. Where the treasure is, the heart is also. And we pray, God, that we would, our treasure would be in you, Jesus. Use us. Here's our lives. Here's our time. Here's our talent. Here's our treasure. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. I just, I just feel like there's, there's still someone just coming up with a little bit of doubt. Just a little bit of doubt. And that doubt has a root. And that root was words that your father spoke over you and over the household. And I feel like God's saying right now, I'm uprooting that. I'm breaking the power of those words. And you're now released. That doubt's no more. That doubt's gone. You're now released into a kingdom mindset seated at the right hand of God. This last week, it was awesome. I was, I was praying and um, I used to love ducktails. Anybody else love ducktails? My goodness, I, I just would, I'd run home after school, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, just, just to go watch ducktails. It was awesome. But Scrooge McDuck, I don't know why God showed me, but he shows me crazy pictures, but he's, he's like, Aaron, the church The wealth of the wicked is about to shift to the righteous. And I saw, I saw this picture and he goes, it looks just like this. Scrooge McDuck swimming in his gold, in his bank. Y'all like, Pastor Aaron, you've lost it. You just, you're gone. Please pray for me. This is how God speaks to me. But what he was saying that Aaron, nothing, nothing is too far out of reach for God to do what he wants to do but it takes a partnership of what he gives, we manage. And if we can't manage what he gives us in this moment, how can he trust us with more? As we conclude, I wanna give you an invitation. My friend, maybe, you, maybe you're here with, by a friend or a family member and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your savior. I want you to search your heart right now. Do you truly know Jesus? Have you tasted what it tastes like to be adopted into his family? This is, the, this is the first part of managing and stewarding your heart is coming into a relationship with Jesus. Repenting, my friends, we all need to repent. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Sinners in need of a savior and only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can redeem you. And he wants to bring you into his arms today and he wants to show you how much he loves you speak destiny and purpose and future into your life. On the count of three, maybe today you want to repent online or in this room. You want to say, yes, Pastor Aaron, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to take this first step. On the count of three, I want you to boldly raise your hand. It's not about raising your hands. It's about truly in your heart saying, God, I want to believe. Yes, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and my shame. I believe that three days later you rose again, defeating death. I believe it and I confess it. And the Bible says, if I do this, I will be saved. And it's just the beginning. It's the, it's the start of the journey of following Jesus. And on the count of three, from the left to the right, front to the back, if that's you in this room, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Just raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you in this place. Awesome decision. Awesome decision. If that's you in this room. God's looking at you. He loves you so much. There is so much grace, so much mercy. 
feel like there's one more. Just a tug in your heart. I feel like there's one more. Come on, thank you, Jesus. God doesn't necessarily look at our hands. He looks at hearts. We're about to pray together. And if you, maybe online, maybe we're gonna pray together. And God wants to just let you know, it's not about your hands, it's your right heart. And you can pray and ask Jesus to come into your life. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. You're not praying to mere man, but you're praying to God. Jesus is in this room. He's, he's closer than you think. And he loves the decision you made. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender all my life. I realize I need you. I'm a sinner. And you chose with joy to die on the cross for my sin and my shames. Thank you for everything that you did. I believe you didn't just stay on the cross, but three days later, you rose again, defeating death, defeating sin, and now giving me the gift of eternal life. From this day forth, I can proudly say, I am saved. Jesus, you're in my heart. I'm a child of God. And now Holy Spirit, right in this moment, clothe me with power. I want all of you. Fill me with the fullness of the measure of God. In Jesus' mighty name.